right. Hey, good morning. Welcome to River Ridge Church. Pretty uh, exciting. So just so you know kind of what's going on um, with that 20 for 20, uh, so we kind of ripped that off from uh, ESPN 30 for 30. Uh, but 20 for 20 is uh, this year, 2022, uh, is the 20th year in September of the anniversary of the start of Riverage Church. And so what we're going to be doing is over the next nine months uh, is we're going to have 20 of those kind of videos where we highlight different things that God has done in helping people take their next steps. Uh, so I'm excited to see that, and then we'll post them on Facebook and have them on the website as well. So that's the, uh, the 20 for 20 aspect. So welcome, Riverage. If you are watching online, welcome to you all who are watching online. Glad that you're uh, able to join us uh, virtually. Uh, I know that COVID has some folks out. The weather has folks out. Um, but I would also encourage you, if you are watching at home, make sure that you do this stuff with your kids. You're able to watch the service uh, this way, but we also have videos posted for you to go through the curriculum with your kids to help them take their next steps. So I encourage you to do that. So this morning, uh, we are uh, continuing in a sermon series that we started last week, uh, and we are going to be in the book of Psalm, Psalm, excuse me, Psalm 19. So if I can ask you to turn to Psalm 19, uh, either in digitally or in your book, I'm going to have the verses we're going to go through uh, on the screen behind me, but there's parts of it we're going to look kind of at a, at a kind of at a bigger picture, and to have the whole psalm in front of you will help you to do that. And also, if you are newer around River Church, uh, you'll notice that your outline has three holes punched in it when you came in. So we have these um, notebooks, uh, which are little binders that you can stick your notes in, and then the beginning of them have um, some general kind of things just to help you and encourage you spiritually. So if you do not have one of these, go see the folks at the welcome desk, and they would be glad to give you one of these this morning. Um, so again, we're going to be in Psalm 19 this morning, and so if I could ask you to open to that and then uh, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, just for the worship, and uh, Lord, thank you for that listening time. Uh, it seemed far too short. I just love to be in your presence. And God, I pray that as we look into your word, that you would continue to speak to us, uh, although my voice is talking, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here in and among us, speaking to hearts uh, and minds this morning. Guide our thoughts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we started this sermon series, and we've titled it Four Reasons. Uh, and basically, the idea behind this sermon series is that there's a lot of things that God has told us what to do, uh, and this series is looking at the reasons behind God saying some of the things that were to do. And I had a real-life example of this yesterday, not in a spiritual context, uh, but we met with a guy that Stacy works out with named Brandon, and Brandon is kind of a health and fitness guy, uh, and you, you know the thing, you know the what's, right, about eating healthy, like you should have salad and not ice cream sundaes. Like, does everybody know that? Right? Everybody knows that. Um, but then we kind of looked at the why behind it a little bit and tried to figure out, and he helped us understand carbs and fats and proteins and eggs and stuff like that. And so, but it was a really good why behind the what conversation. And so what this series is about, it's the why behind some of the what's that you have heard 
in church, if you've been around in church. And there's things that, you know, you've heard pastors and people and Bible study leaders and friends and parents say, you know, you should do this. You ought to do this. Or if you're going to be a good Christian, then you have to do this. And there's a lot of different things that kind of fall with this. And so last week, we, we began the series, and we talked about keeping Jesus first in our lives. That's the what. What do we do? We keep Jesus first in our lives. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then we talked about four reasons why to do that, and I actually had some other people come up and share why they kept Jesus first in their lives. And so today, we're beginning the rest of the series, and we're going to look... Uh, so next week, we're going to look at why have Christian community... The week after that is why pray, and the week after that, the last week in January, is why give financially. So that's the what is giving, and then we're talking about the whys. Well, today, the what is read the Bible. Okay, I said read the Bible, and nobody was like, no way. We're supposed to read the Bible? Like, my guess is, is you've spent any amount of time in church, you have heard somebody say, it's important to read the Bible. You have heard that. And so the question is, why does God say to do that? Now, again, assuming that you've heard read the Bible, how does that look in your life? So for some of you, you read God's Word, you're regular at it, you get something out of it, it's encouraging, it, it's growth for you, and, and you're, you're connected there. But I think for a lot of other folks, that you know the what, read the Bible, and you've started, and then you stopped. And then you tried for a little while, and then you stopped for a little while. And it's this kind of start and stop type of deal, and it's never been super consistent in your life. And, and maybe that's because you read it, and you don't really understand it, and that's frustrating for you. Or, or maybe you start to read the Bible and then life just kind of gets busy and you get distracted and you're like, oh, that's something I should have done, could have done, but didn't do. You know, or maybe for you reading the Bible is you read it, but you don't get a whole lot out of it. And so you're like, well, I'm not really sure what to do or how to do, so I'm just going to stop and it kind of, and maybe it's not an intentional stop, but just it's sort of a stop by sort of osmosis. You just sort of stop doing it regularly and and it's like, oh, I, I used to do that, that read the Bible thing. When our youngest, Ben, who is here and cannot attest to this story because he was too little, uh, but Ben was like most kids who are three years old, and he asked why a whole lot of times, right? And, and you probably, when you were a kid, you did this, your kids did this, but I have one memory of Ben doing this because of kind of something he said about a why question. But, you know, you tell, you know, I, so I would tell Ben, I'm like, you know, you need to pick up the toys in your room. Why, Daddy? Okay, and then I'd say, hey, put your coat on. We're going outside. Why, Daddy? You know, finish your meal. Why, Daddy? You know, and it's kind of cute. And so I can remember there's this one time, he was about three years old, and I said, Ben, go in your room and put on your shoes. And he said, why, Daddy? And so I thought, you know what? In a moment of parental brilliance, I'm going to turn the tables, and I'm going to say, Ben, why do you think you should put on your shoes? And, and so I did that. I said, Ben, why do you think? And he said, and this is great. I wish all kids would say this every time, but it was a one-time deal. He goes, because you say so. I'm like, yes, parenting achieved. 
When it comes to these what things, in one sense, the only reason that we should need a why answer, or the only why, the only reason is because God says so. Why read the Bible? Because I'm God and I say so. But I recognize that for many of us, that while that is the ultimate reason, why pray? Because God says so. Why read the Bible? Because God says so. Why give financially? Because God says so. Why pursue Christian friendships? Because God says so. But ultimately, I think for us, the reality is is we need more of an understanding than just that one singular reason. And so each week, we're going to dig into that and look at some of these reasons behind the what and see the why of why God says it. So as we talk about reading the Bible, I want to give you, before we jump into the book of Psalms, Psalm 19, in James it says this. He writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And there's a whole lot of places that God gives us the what of read the Bible. I picked this one because it says, do not merely listen to the word or do not merely read the word, but do what it says. These two things go in combination. It's in tandem. It's read God's word, but then it's also apply God's word. And so we open up to Psalm 19. And by the way, just because I have the microphone, um, one of my pet peeves is it is Psalm 19. It is the book of Psalms, but it is not Psalms 19. Everybody got that? Okay, that's your takeaway. If you say that, it's like fingers on the chalkboard to me. That and the book of Ephesians is Ephesians, is not Ephesians, okay? Thank you, Southern West Virginians. Get that right. Sorry, we just lost our audience out there. Okay. So the book of Psalms, Psalm 19, not Psalms 19. If you look at this, so you remember that Ben read the first part of this earlier, and we coordinated that on purpose, because the first six verses of this are what we would call God's general revelation. It talks about God and his handiwork, and the sun, and the moon, and the heavens, and the stars, and we can see God at work in creation. And when you look at God's creation, it is truly amazing. Like I look at penguins, and penguins are amazing. I look at elephants, and elephants are amazing. I look at sunsets, and it's so beautiful. I look at the leaves changing, and God makes dead leaves beautiful. I mean, it's just the craziness of the beauty of God's creation is awesome. But we can't look at God's creation and know exactly what to do. I can't look at a penguin or a leaf turning brown and gold and go, oh, now I know what God wants me to do with my life. So it's called God's general revelation to show that he is real, that he exists. But then what we have in verses 7 through 11 is God's specific revelation. In other words, God is saying, the Bible, the law, and he uses some different terms for it, this is how you will know what you are to do in life. And then the last three verses are basically a prayer of application as the psalmist prays to apply what he's learned in the first 11 or 12 verses. So that's an overview of Psalm 19. So we're going to start in verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Now here's where I want us to take a step back, and hopefully you have a Bible in front of you, an app or a paper Bible, and I want to take a step back because it's not going to all be on the screen 
Because here's what I want you to see, is there's a parallelism that runs throughout this middle section of the book of of Psalm Psalm 19. And so in verse 7, in the first part of each verse, if you notice, is a noun to describe God's word. So it says, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. That one's a little bit different. The rules of the Lord. And there it goes, right? So those are all that. And then the next phrase in all of these, the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord is, and then there's a description of it. Perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, true, better than gold, better than honey, better than drippings of honeycomb. And you can see that parallel. And as you think about God's Word, so here at River Church, we believe that God's Word, the Bible is God's Word to us. It is true in everything that it says about how to live life. Now, depending on where you come from, you may believe that or you may not. And I would say if you don't believe that, that's okay. Like River Ridge, one of the things I love about what God has done and how God has created River Ridge is this is a place to come and ask questions. And you may go, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe all the Bible. I don't believe this part. I don't think that God would, whatever that is, but understand that this is a place where you can ask those questions and maybe figure that out, even if you're struggling in faith in that regard. But when we look at God's word, this is not a collection of fables. This is not a collection of stories to inspire. This is not a collection of myths that people live by. This is God's word to us. It is perfect and sure and right and pure and clean and true and better than any worldly possession or any sweet thing that we could ever have. So that is what we see. And then it says, so this, it'll say, the law of the Lord or word for it, is, and then perfect, or word for it. And then the first thing it says is reviving the soul. And so in each of these, in the third part of each of these verses, is where we're going to find our reasons for reading and applying God's word. And so the first one is because it revives the soul. Because it revives the soul. You know, we, um, we live in a world that our souls grow weary. And I think because of COVID going on right now, I think most of our souls, not, maybe not all of us, but I think most of our souls are weary a lot of the time. Just the way that it kind of is on us. And, and if it's not COVID, then it's something else. It's a relationship that's gone wrong that's weighing on us. It's a circumstance that's gone wrong that weighs on us. And our souls need reviving. We get disappointed in life. We get disappointed in others. We get disappointed in ourselves. And our souls need reviving. And that's what God's Word does. You know, for me, my goal is to spend time reading God's Word every day. Now, I don't hit it 100% of the time. I'm pretty good about hitting that every day. If I miss a a day here and there, I don't beat myself up about it. But that's my goal. And here's why for me, is my soul needs to be revived. I never want to be more than 24 hours away from God giving me a word of encouragement from God giving me a comfort, from God giving me something to do, from God reminding me about a truth about himself. 
I never want to be more than 24 hours away from giving God that opportunity. And so for me, I set this as a daily goal so that my soul is revived. Then he continues on. It says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So it has a couple of words to describe sort of the why of reading the Bible, of, of the benefit of it. One, it says it makes wise the simple. And, and what that means is simple, probably the most literal translation of that would be this idea of young and naive. That compared to all the wisdom that's out there, we are young and naive. And so God's word gives us that understanding. And then it also says enlightening the eyes. That when we read God's word, our, our eyes are enlightened to understand what God is doing in our world and what God is not doing, understanding people, and there's a lot of wisdom there. And so here's the second reason to read God's word, because it gives us wisdom, because it gives us wisdom. There's a, a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 7. I'm not going to read it for you, I'll just kind of paraphrase it. But Jesus tells this parable. He says, there's two guys, there's two men, and they both built houses. And the one guy, he built his house, and he, there was, you know, there was grass and sand and, and dirt there. And so he just started to, to build his house right on top of the sand. He, he built it up and built it up, and he had a nice house for himself. And then there was a guy next to him. And that guy, instead of just building, he dug down, and he dug down, and he dug down until he hit the rock foundation. Of, the, of wherever this countryside was. And then he said he built his house on the rock, and then he built it up. So he got these two houses. From the outward appearance, they look about the same. But then he says, but then something happened. This huge storm came in, and the rains came down, and the water rose. And because the water rose, the guy whose house was not built on a foundation, it was just built on sand, just built there, it was washed away, just taken away. But the guy who took the time to build his house on the foundation of rock, his house stood up through this storm. So Jesus tells this parable, and then he says, if you read and apply God's word, the wisdom of God's word, that's like a house that's built on the foundation that the storm doesn't topple over. And life brings us a lot of storms. And you see, God's word, it gives us wisdom about how to endure the storms of life. And one of the things that I was just thinking about a little bit this week is I think that, I, I think that all of us know, I won't say all of us, I think for the most part we know that the Bible has God's wisdom in it. But I think unfortunately what we do too often is we go through life and we kind of do life our own way, and then our houses fall down, so to speak, or a part of our house falls down, and we go, oh my gosh, this is not good. And we pick up God's word, and we're like, I got to find some wisdom. God, help me through this. And God's word has stuff to help us to rebuild our lives when it crumble, when they crumble. But I think sometimes we miss the fact that what God is saying is build your house on the foundation before the storm comes. God will be like FEMA and help you to rebuild your house. He will do that. 
But I think, man, if we would have a house, if we would have a life that is built on the wisdom of God, instead of our own thoughts about how to do life, then our houses don't cave in and crash nearly as much. Then it continues on. It says this, verse 9 and 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The, Lord, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. I love the imagery here. He says, God's word, the law of the Lord, is better than gold. And then he says, it's even better than honey. It's better than honeycomb that is dripping. He's talking about something sweet. You know, if you were to, just have a little fun here, if you were to be writing this, what would you use for your metaphor there, for your illustration? Would you say, it is better than honey? Or would you say, man, it is better than chocolate cake? It is better than Ben and Jerry's ice cream, right? My wife would say, it is better than an egg omelet, right? It is, you know, what would you put in there, right? It's just sort of fun to think about, to, to put this in your own imagery and say, God's word is better than the best thing that we could think of. So here takes us to the third reason. We read God's word and we apply God's word because it is good for me, because it is good for me. If you were here on Christmas Eve, uh, we talked about a, a truth. I talked about a truth, and, and we talked about how this, this idea that God doesn't have needs. And so God came in the form of a baby in Jesus for us, not because he needed something, but because he wanted something not from us, but he wants things for us. And so I actually took a little screenshot, and we're going to put this up here, I think. There we go. So that's me um, speaking on Christmas Eve. Uh, and if you miss Christmas Eve, it's online. You're welcome to listen to it. But I have uh, in that picture six objects. And these six objects represent what it is that God wants for you and for all of us. And so the heart represents that God wants us to know and experience his unconditional love. The infinity sign represents that God wants to spend eternity with us and he wants us to spend eternity with him. The peace symbol represents that God wants us to have peace in our lives. Peace with him, peace with others, peace with ourselves. You can't see it, but there's a chain there that represents that God wants you to be free from sin of shame and guilt. And then there's a, um, a flashlight, which is also very hard to see, that God wants to light up your path. And then I'm holding a compass that God wants to give you direction and purpose and meaning and significance in your life. All of those things are what God wants for you. They are things that benefit us. And when we apply God's word to our lives, then we live in those benefits of peace and purpose and understanding and guilt-free and shame-free lives. That's what he wants for you. I want to tell you a little story or ask you kind of a question um, how many of you have a dog? How many of you have a dog? Raise your hand. Wow, we're a big dog thing. I don't care who has cats. Who ha okay, everybody has dogs, right? Good. So um, now, how many of you, you've got to help me out with the hand-raising thing. You guys can answer online if you're watching. 
Um, but how many of you have a rule that you don't let your dog, I, I, we, we play with cats too, dog or cat, on the couches or furniture or beds? How many of you have that rule? Okay. And then how many of you have, a, like, it's fine, they can go anywhere and everywhere? Okay. How many of you would like to keep them off the furniture, but you can't? <laughs> there we go. Okay. So here's the thing. Is, um, so we, we have, we've had um, three dogs in Stacy and I's marriage, uh, and all of the dogs have been dogs that shed quite a bit. And so we have a no dogs on the couch rule in our household. Um, and, and basically, we don't like them on the couch because they shed and because they drool, and sometimes they sort of leak different bodily fluids, and we don't like that either. Just, just say it, right? And so we don't like to have dogs on our couches or beds or anything like that, okay? Now, why does that rule exist? Is that for the dog's benefit, or is that for the people, for my benefit? Dogs are mine. Mine, 100% mine. My dog would have a happier, cozier life if she could climb up on the couch or climb up in the bed with us. But we have that rule for my benefit, not for the benefit of the dog, okay? Here's what I want you to understand. God, in all of the rules that he gives, we call them commandments, we call them law of the Lord, all the stuff, in all that God says for us to do and to not do, he does not have any no dogs on the couch type rules. In other words, everything that God wants you to do or wants you not to do is for your blessing and for your benefit. It is not about him needing to be happy about something. And so if there is a commandment that you are struggling with, understand that God has put it there because it is some blessing to you. It is not a no dogs on the couch kind of rule. I want to give you one more reason to read God's word. This is from verse 11. It says, moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Okay? And I am over time, and I will wrap this up. Here's the last one. It's because it protects me. Because it protects me. Okay? Um, when God lights up our path, Psalm 119 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay? What God does is he shows us the next step in front of it. And what that does is it protects us. When we walk on a path, if you walk on a path in the woods in the dark, are you absolutely positively not going to get injured? No. You might stub your toe. You might trip over something. There might be something lying in the path, but the chances are greatly reduced. When you go off the path, that's when things really get dangerous. So there's briars, there's bears, there's snakes, there's bats, whatever it is off the path. But when we stay on God's path, it's much more protected. I want to spend two minutes on the how, okay? So we asked the why question, and here is the, okay, why read the Bible? We've talked about four reasons. How do we do that? Here's the first thing, is find a time, a place, and a plan. A time, a place, and a and a plan, a time that works for you. For me, mornings work great. Find a place, maybe a couch, a living room, a quiet place, someplace that's a little bit away from people. And then the last part is have a plan. 
And when you leave here this morning, if you look out in the lobby, there's a little um, black table out there um, that has a whole bunch of plans that we've given out over the last, I don't know, four or five years or so. If you want to grab one, there's about eight or ten of them out there um, on the book of Acts, Gospel of Mark, uh, teachings of Jesus. Peruse that. You can use that if you like. Another option uh, is what's called the YouVersion app, and it looks like that behind me on the screen. Uh, and if you, would, uh, if you download this app, you go to this and you can search plans. They have plans that are like three days long and a whole year long, and you can do anything from relationships to a book of the Bible to a topic like the Holy Spirit or peace or love or whatever it might be, uh, but you can find all kinds of stuff there. Here's the second how, is have a readable Bible have a readable Bible. If you read it and you're like, I don't understand what this says, then get a different translation. You can actually go on the version, and there's like, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 translations on there that you can choose from. And then the last is how is have a method, okay? Uh, take out your cell phone real quick because I'm going super fast here. I'm going to put up three slides, uh, and if you want to snap a picture of these, um, these are three different methods to help you to read God's Word and to learn from it. The first is called the SOAP method. Um, it's an acronym that means Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. It's just how to kind of go through that time. Snap that picture. Okay. Uh, or the second one is Discovery uh, Bible Study Method. You ask three questions. What do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? And how can I apply it? All right? Uh, and then the third one is called the spec method. It's what are you looking for as you read God's word? Uh, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a promise to, that God says to me? Is there an example of what to do or what not to do? Is there a command to follow? And then is there a knowledge of God, something I learn about God, the Holy Spirit, or Jesus? All right, so I am over, so I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, but I, I would say this. Um, you may hear what I've said and go, you know, I don't think so. I don't think that's for me. I don't know about those reasons. And if, and if, you're, if that's kind of going through your mind, you're going, man, I don't think so. I would encourage you to look again at Psalm 19. Because if you're saying, I don't think so, you're really saying, I don't think so to God, not to me. Because it's God who says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, making wise the simple. These are God's reasons. I have kind of put them in illustrations and examples, but this is from God. And this is why God says to read his word. And when we do, it puts us in relationship with God in such an intimate way.